and I felt like I finally had found what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize what it was until so late, um, but now I'd finally found it, and um, I realized I'm like, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to learn more about healthy food. Welcome to Joy from the Start. This podcast is about exploring life transformation. When you wake up, stop living your life for someone else and start living for yourself. We'll dig into personal stories of unique individuals who've been down this path, focusing on the how of life transformation. And now, your host, Paul Keen. Thank you and welcome to this episode of Joy from the Start. Thanks, Paul. Stories of personal transformation. And you're our first guest who has really had their own shift in life. Um, In all transparency, you were running a culinary course in New Jersey, and my parents attended. And of course, my parents go out of their way to kind of engage with everybody. But they also were like, oh, my God, you've got to tell this story. (laughs) So um, I'm really glad they put us together today. Me too. Your parents were wonderful. Really exceptional students. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. They like to eat. They like to eat. You know, look, I've I've read your professional bio and in in professional bios and backgrounds and things like that, you know, you don't always go through kind of the how you got there. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting story for me. And candidly, that's where I'm kind of with this podcast scratching my own itch. What's your story? Where did you start? What's the major transition that you've that you've made? And and, you know, how did you get here? So I'm North Indian, I'm Punjabi. My dad, you know, he's a self-made man. We we immigrated from India and he came alone for a while. He worked at McDonald's just to make some money because he, he knew there was a better option than living in India and running his parents' store. We lived in like this tiny shack mm-hmm. of an apartment in a really rundown town outside of Boston. And my mom to this day says those were some of the best times because Life was easy, you know, you had a focus and it was just the four of us. We had each other, we had food, we had heat, you know, (laughs) and so that's how I was really brought into this country. There was always so much food. We were always told that we have to go to school, we have to get educated. My parents didn't want what they had for us. Um, You know, growing up, I was told to do a certain number of things. You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be an engineer, you could go into business. Like those were the options and kind of just around that. Mm-hmm. quantity. And I thought, you know what, maybe I'm going to do something in the medical world. Fast forwarding a little bit, I met my now husband who was, he was very determined to be a doctor. He just kind of knew that was always his calling. He wasn't like me where I was, you know, jumping from one thing to another. Watching him and how focused he was made me realize that I had a lack of focus, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to be a doctor. I just wasn't excited about it. And I, you know, didn't really feel like I fit into any of those boxes. I couldn't check myself there. Uh, So then I started looking into other things, but it was still related to the medical world. And I started looking at public health as an option. And I realized, I'm like, you know what, that that's something that I can do. I like public health. I like wellness. And then all of a sudden you see signs everywhere, you know, and I started seeing uh, corporate wellness positions. And I thought, you know what, I would be really good at that. So I went on all these interviews. I met this guy who interviewed me and he said, I'm looking to expand my team and happened to be a bank on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And so I went through about seven rounds of interviews. Oh my God. And the last one was me presenting to a board of like 20 members um, and giving them a um, presentation on how to decrease 
the amount of time that employees spend outside of the workplace and and how I would rectify that situation by bringing in resources to the work. I, I had about an hour to put the presentation together and I just blew them away. And so they hired me on the spot. I started working there and my position was wellness coordinator and I was kind of in charge of providing services on site for employees. And so we didn't want anybody to leave the office to go to the doctor's appointment, to go to a, a pharmacist to pick up medication, to go, you know, pump milk for the baby. Like nobody should leave. Everyone should be inside and we should make sure all those services are provided to the employees. At the same time, we were promoting this concept of work-life balance and <laughs> what that should look like. But unfortunately, our department had very little of that for ourselves because we were so fixated on giving it to everybody else. And we were a global company. So I was training people in India and we were talking to, you know, London and Japan on a daily basis. And so I was leaving really early in the morning. I had a company car coming to pick me up at 6 a.m. every day. I wouldn't come home until, you know, 10 p.m. My driver was my new best friend because bring me breakfast, have snacks for me, make sure I had a pillow. (laughs) What were some of those initial realization like and and how long did it take you to kind of start realizing like wait a second I really got to make a a change here quickly you know or not so quickly rather I realized that you know there there is something that's tugging at me that I'm just not getting that fulfillment from this world that I'm living in and we we actually started trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and what ended up happening is that I just couldn't I couldn't get pregnant. And because I had that BlackBerry and a cell phone, they could reach me at any time and I should respond within minutes. And so, you know, you never turn off when you have a lifestyle like that. Absolutely. So my stress was high. Um, My body was feeling it. You know, I couldn't couldn't eat properly. Mm. I was throwing up a lot. You know, I had major stomach issues. Oh, wow. So I was having all these little epiphanies, like aha moments, you know, something's wrong with this picture. And... I was hospitalized a couple of times because I was dehydrated. I had kidney stones. I mean, my body was just telling me, like, something is wrong with your lifestyle. you got to fix it. And um, eventually, it did cause me to leave the company. And... uh, And then, you know, I actually got pregnant within months later. So it was was instant. It was instant for me. I realized it, and then we changed it. And um, it was one of the best decisions I think I ever made. I mean... I, it was, I learned so much being an employee there, mm-hmm. but I also learned so much after I left. And I realized there's so much more to the world. And, you know, I still love the concept of wellness. And I learned so much in regard to the principles I learned in, regard, in, in mm-hmm. work-life balance. Yeah. So uh, coming out of that company, I realized that food was really important still. And mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to be professionally trained. And if I was going to implement wellness in the world, then, then food was where it started. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into the idea of going into culinary school. Mm-hmm. And when I was in school, I just, I don't know, something just changed in me. I transformed. I became obsessed with with food and eating and cooking and, mm-hmm. and buying fresh stuff and making sure things are fresh and where is stuff coming from. And, yeah. and so all of that stuff became Im- immensely important to me. And I started implementing it into our lives. And... Um, and I started getting healthier myself. You know, mm-hmm. I had, uh, I have arthritis in mm-hmm. my shoulders, in my elbow, my thumb, everywhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it started going away, you know. Really? It started getting better. I, I mean, I was still very much into exercising, and it didn't seem hard to me, honestly. I mm-hmm. mean, it just came natural. And I felt like I finally had found what I wanted to do. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't realize what it was until so late. 
Um, but now I'd finally found it. And um, I realized I'm like, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to learn more about healthy food. What I'm curious to go into for just a little bit, though, mm-hmm. is what did that realization time look like for you? You know, um, I was intimidated by a lot of things. I was intimidated by making any changes, to tell you the truth. Um, mm. I thought that I could just kind of keep it as a hobby for a long time because I didn't think that it would be accepted. You know, my grandfather, even after finding out that I was working at corporate wellness in a corporate wellness company, he would come to me and be like, it's not too late to go to medical school. You know, you'd be really good at it. It's just it's something I constantly heard. And I I got to a point where I had to tune it out, you know, so instead of arguing with someone. Do you think it was coming from a bad place or was it coming from a place where they wanted your life to be easier? You know, in a lot of ways, they wanted it to be easier, but they never told me to stop working. You know, they really believed that females in our family should be empowered enough to work. I'm curious, you know, how did you work yourself through that to the point where you said, okay, this is next? When I was working, I was getting sick. I really was. My body was really not handling it well. And the stress, I think everyone could see that. You know, my my folks could see that. My in-laws could see that. My husband could see that. My grandparents could see that. And they knew. They knew something was wrong. Nobody actually said you should stop what you're doing because that wasn't really a great viable option. You know, what are you going to do? I already had a plan in my head. I know I had a plan in my head because I, I don't make rash decisions, you know, and I sitting on the, the, the concept of going back to school for something was in my head for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just knew that I had something else I had to do. This wasn't my calling. It wasn't feeling right. And, you know, I think at the end I actually had to be hospitalized and have surgery. I think during that time, I really had that aha moment. Mm -hmm. And then the combination of that and just not being able to get pregnant, like it just, everything was just, I felt like the room was just getting so small around me. Mm -hmm. I was standing at a job where I had no idea what I was even saying or doing, what I was producing, what the benefit of my like life was for anybody else outside of me. At that moment, I just really felt like my head was going to explode. And um, it was during one of my trips, actually, my husband and I were in India. We went to Bangalore. And I um, had to set up the office there. You know, the hours are opposite. So 10 hours ahead is India, and we're 10 hours behind. So I'm up all night. And then during the day, I'm sightseeing. And so, you know, I just, I I was working there maybe like 14 hours a day. It became 14 hours a day, and I was only there for a week. And it just felt like sick in my head. I don't know. It was a combination of all those things. And I come back, and I had a conversation with my uh, my boss that sat in the New York office. And I told him, like, this is not working for me. You know, it's just, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I tried to quit a couple times, and I couldn't. <laughs> but something was different this time. You know, I just couldn't handle it. A few months later, I was gone. How, how long a period was, was that from maybe, like, when you first kind of started feeling like, when you, when you get off the high of, like, oh, my God, I mm. nailed this amazing job, to my God, I'm stuck in this amazing job. I, I felt like that for probably a year, close yeah. to a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just couldn't handle it. And and that was also when I was getting more more ill. Right. And the decision of trying to have a baby happened at that time too. So right. All of that just combined for me just didn't feel right. And I just couldn't handle it. Was there a major concern in, in your head about like, oh my God, you know, money concerns, all those other things, like what am I going to do next? Or was it, did you feel pretty strong? Like, okay, I'm going to go into this education program and that's going to be X period of time. And that's the springboard. We we kind of strategized a little bit. You know, um, I was the breadwinner at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband was in medical school still. He was still doing rotations and just starting his residency. So he, you know, 
residents don't make anything. Yeah, yeah. Not the super opportune time. No, you know? not the best time. Um, but he also knew, you know, that we were going to be okay. We had some savings. Uh, you know, I saved as much as I could when I was working, and bonuses also helped. Um, so that was all there. And uh, so we didn't feel completely, you know, at wit's end about it. And um, having the baby also kind of made us realize that, you know, we have to simplify life a little bit because we have to be family focused as well. And we don't need to do like elaborate vacations. And um, right now we should just kind of be grounded and, and realize that this is what we have to focus on. And school changes everything, you know. So um, I got loans. My parents were really helpful. They were supportive. At the end of the day, they came around and <laughs> they decided to just, you know, believe in me instead of believing in their own philosophies as much. Did you have to have a, a kind of... A lot. A lot of conversations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot a of convincing. A come to Jesus moment. Not so much Jesus, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, many, 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 many moments. And and we still hear comments here and there, you know. But now I just tune them out. I've, con- I've completely tuned them out. They're very supportive people. My, fer- my family is very supportive. Uh, my husband's family is very supportive, and I think that really made a difference for me. It gave me confidence that I needed. Was that a, was that a big concern before you? It was of... huge. Yeah. It was one of my one of my biggest intimidators was just talking about it to anybody outside of my husband. You're like, I, I, I want to be. A... <laughs> I want to go to school again. Yeah. Go to culinary school. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it 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 was scary. It's really yeah. scary. Yeah. You know, it was like having a crush on a boy. Scary, like palms yeah. sweating can't find words in your mouth, throat completely dry, sandpaper dry. So that's how I felt pretty much all the time for a while. It's very easy to define for a certain period of time what you don't want. It's hard to even allow yourself to define yourself in the positive. Like, no, I don't want to be corporate guy dealing with, you know, contracts and deals Mm -hmm. and this and that. I do want to be dot, dot, dot. Right. Like, how, how did that all come together in, in a positive definition to say, okay, it's going to be culinary school and then I'm going to work things out? Having the support of my family was so integral and I don't want to discount that because I don't know if I could have done it without that. And my husband was probably my biggest champion, probably still is my biggest champion. And he, um, talking to him, he's so logical. It's actually almost <laughs> <Annoying>. intolerable. <laughs> But he's so logical. And so we talk about things and, and he talks a lot more than I do. And and then when he asks me questions, I'll give him short answers and he'll try to like pull at me to get more out. So when we were talking about culinary school, I just couldn't shut up. Like there was so much to say. And he's like, this, this is your passion. You know, you got to do it. You got to just do it. You can't like think about it too much. You just got to do it. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, were you ever curious if, oh my God, what if this isn't it? No. Honestly, it's so weird, but I never had that thought. And as soon as I started, you know, I think I was probably nervous before I started culinary school. But once I got there, I was like, this is it. Like, yeah. these are my people. Because a lot of people, I mean, there are tons of people who go to culinary school and then even go into the world of cooking. Yeah. And it is brutal. It's and, brutal. It's I cutthroat. Mean, people really are like, this isn't what I was looking for. You know, the thing is, is that I, I experienced that cutthroatness as well. But I think my corporate background really prepared me for that yeah. because that was so cutthroat. I can't, you can't get more, more cutthroat than that. You know what I find really interesting about your your background as well? You've had this attitude of, like, okay, I'm going to try this yeah. and see how it is. And if I don't like it, I'm going to move to another thing. Right. I always yeah. felt like I could. <laughs> yeah. But why, why? I just felt like I needed to be sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to do something and then hate my life. Oddly enough, I thought I loved what I did, but I hated it, which is really, I find that. How did you come to that? Because it was, it came in a shiny package and bells and whistles and, you know, like 
it was almost like they were bribing you. It's, it's everything you should want. Yes. It, this is what you want. Like, don't make any mistake. This right. is it. That type of lifestyle is not sustainable. Yeah. You know, I don't care what anybody says. You get your start. You do whatever you can. You move up and you do something else. Mm-hmm. But you cannot do that. It's not sustainable. You yeah. know, your body cannot handle it. And I, I realize that now. I'm curious, what would your message be for people who are kind of in that that place where but they don't know what to do yet. They're, they're not quite sure. They're like, oh my God, how do I even discover what I want? We have a tendency to silence ourselves. Mm-hmm. If it's not the right thing or you're, you're not supposed to think like that or you have something else that you should actually be thinking, we try to put all those thoughts somewhere in a dark corner and then focus on the, on the should be's and, and, sh- and, and would be's right now. And so I really think that you have to kind of listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. And if that takes a day or an hour or a minute or a week or a month, you have to do it. And and something that I did actually do at that time was I would write down on a piece of paper one thought for the day for myself, you know, and I have like, I don't know, maybe like a whole pad of sheets filled with my thoughts, but I would write down my thought every single day. And it was just a one sentence, not even a complete sentence sometimes, broken sentences. And I would just write down what I was thinking and look back maybe a month later and I would realize, wow, there's a pattern, you know, there's a pattern. And every single day I have a similar thought or uh, I'm, focused, I'm focused on one thing. And so it was really, it really had to push me. Um, but I think that I did start listening to myself and that really made the change for me, really, because I stopped thinking about everyone else. It's really fascinating. I, I started writing as well. I had this just insatiable urge to write. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that there's just this point at which you kind of are staring at it and you're like I'm just not afraid I'm afraid to admit this to myself yeah it's almost like you're self-intimidated you know you don't want to change your life because you don't know how people are going to perceive you and perceive your changes and acceptance in society is huge I mean it doesn't matter who you are you want Mm -hmm. people to accept you you want to be able to you know connect socially and sometimes doing something that's so out of the box might change that for you so I think that is scary you're almost waiting to give yourself permission to be yourself in a lot of ways. And therefore you present a lot of things to the world, both at work and even in your relationships where you think it's going to elicit the goal that you have, which is acceptance and love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, you're pretending to be this person instead of being yourself and then finding resonance in that. But it's like, okay, wait, I'm actually hiding from myself. I'm not actually being who I am on an everyday basis. Well, you know, it's really easy to get lost. Yeah. But it's super hard to be found, yeah. you know, and I've realized that. And so I do talk to people about that. I'm like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your parents. Don't worry about your friends. What do you want? You know, what do you want out of this program? What was really hard for me to separate ultimately was what do I want that isn't ego driven, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where I'm getting like a pat on the back and a gold star. Right. You know, because I got like through school and everything. It's not a bad thing, but I got really used to achieving. Like, okay, I have beginning, middle, end, work backwards from a goal and had nothing to do with like, it's, you know, you flip it on its head. Like I'm starting with the thing that actually like the process. It's like, I think the people who probably succeed in the culinary industry, um, at least some of them actually really love being in a kitchen. They love putting it together. And with all those building blocks, they can then later decide, okay, hey, I want to be in the business side of this. I want to build from here. But like, if you don't have those, if you don't like putting Lego blocks together, you know, as an an analogy, Mm -hmm. then you're never, 
you're never going to run Lego. Like, no, definitely. And it doesn't even matter if you run Lego. You could stay right in the kitchen forever. Yeah. You know? I mean, fundamentally, guys like um, Anthony Bourdain, I think he just loved being in the kitchen. He did, yeah. Eh, but he loved writing more. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> he liked traveling more. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I... Um... Well, I mean, I, and, it, and it brings me to the point of just a recipe in general, right? Because people see recipes and they get intimidated. And that's the same thing in life. You know, they see all these little things that they want to do or they want to put together and it's scary. Yeah. And and so a lot of people do go to fast food or take the easy way out, stick to the job. What do you think have been the most among the most important things that you've taken away from this from this process of like, you know, leading a, a life now that you... Um, you know, it may not be forever that you do this, but you know, you're like, this is way better. Like, what, what, what do you think about when you look backwards? You know, I, I'm very, very, very grateful. I really am. I'm grateful for so many things, and so that's probably the first word that comes to my mind. Um, I had a lot of opportunities, and so uh, coming from nothing and seeing how hard my parents worked gave me a work ethic. You know, mm-hmm. so I will work super hard because I know that that I can and I should because mm-hmm. I'm making a difference somehow. Um, I also learned how to make ripples mm-hmm. in life, you know, so I would do something and I, I, I would see how it impacted others around me. And then I realized I actually cared how it impacted others around me. So I take that into consideration now, too. So I try to be thoughtful. Um, and I think that the process was so important for me to go through really learned so much from every single thing I did every step along the journey I made so many aha moments that I can carry with me now and doing what I do now I can share that experience and I have empathy for others who are kind of going through that or something similar and so I realized that you know it's not easy it's not easy being like in the world that we're in right now and so having empathy for others and being thoughtful to others and just being grateful for what I do have I think are are big life lessons that I've learned so far and hopefully I'll learn many more. <laughs> so, Any other thoughts? Just just to listen to yourself, honestly. I think that's the biggest thing. Just make sure that you listen to what you want because at the end of the day, you are left with your own thoughts. No one's in there except for you. You're amazingly candid, so thank you for that. <laughs> These are topics that I wish more people were more candid about. Vidi Singh, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to another episode of Joy from the Start. Please hit subscribe and visit us at joyfromthestart.com or at joyfromthestart on Facebook and Twitter. See you next time.